Hi, I'm Margie Namora, and welcome to the Desert Island Dishes podcast. This is the podcast where every week I ask my guests to choose their seven Desert Island dishes. These range from finding out about the dish that most reminds them of their childhood, the best dish they've ever eaten, and of course, the last dish they would choose to eat before being cast off to the desert island. I hope you're all well and that you've had a lovely week. Thank you so much for the amazing reviews you've been leaving on iTunes recently. They really do make my day and they give the show a little boost. If you haven't yet left a five-star rating, now is your moment. Also, don't forget that there's a brand new Desert Island Dishes newsletter, which I'm sending out each week. You get lots of goodies in it. There's always an exclusive recipe, interesting bits and bobs from the internet, cookbooks, podcast recommendations, and a little bit of shopping. The hope is there'll be something in there for everyone, and you just take from it what you need or what you want that week. You can sign up through the Desert Island Dishes website, which is desertislanddishes.co. So, I asked you lot the other day for guest recommendations for the podcast, and lots of people said that they would love to hear more people who aren't from the world of food. So your wish is my command with today's episode. I'm so interested in the different role food plays in all of our lives, and what could be more interesting than finding out about the life and food loves of a professional athlete? Also, just getting to speak to people that I don't get a chance to chat to day to day is amazing. It may come as somewhat of a surprise to a lot of you, but I'm a big football fan. I love watching it, and my husband is a huge Manchester United fan. So we made a day of it, and we went to the Manu training ground to meet with Chris. I hope you enjoy. My guest today is Chris Smalling. Chris is a Manchester United and England international footballer. He's been playing professional football for the last eight years, having played more than three hundred games for Man United. In January 2018, Chris made the decision to turn vegan, and is part of a growing list of vegan sports stars, including Formula One. Lewis Hamilton, boxing champion David Hay, and tennis star Venus Williams. Welcome, Chris. Hiya, <laughs> happy me. So this is very exciting because you are the first professional sportsman that we've had on Desert Island Dishes, and I think you're the first ever footballer that I've met. <laughs> oh, that's a huge honour. <laughs> so I know you played in youth clubs and that sort of thing from a young age, but tell me, did you grow up always wanting to be a footballer? I grew up always wanting to be a footballer, but、um, never. Really thinking that I guess it would 100% be be true. I think every kid, when you're in school, or you want to do, you want to do schoolwork, and then you just want to get back outside and play football or play any other sports. And、um, now I was just lucky enough to be able to to get to where I am today. I found a quote from the head of PE at your grammar school, and he said Chris was a very good rugby player, talented at basketball, judo. We took him paintballing once, and he was even good at that. <laughs> We always said he could have been at least county standard at anything he tried. Pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. I think sort of growing up in school, especially primary school and then secondary school, we didn't have football as a team until really sixth form. So I grew up on rugby, athletics, cricket, and and loved them all to be honest. So、um, yeah, I've always been sports mad. How did it come to be that you picked football as your thing? I think deep down, football was something that I always loved. I always I got my football fix outside of school with my local team, but、um, school wise. I'd always wanted to be a part of every team, and then、um, sort of like, like my primary school teacher said, I had some county trials for rugby, cricket, and football actually, <laughs> and managed to get into them all. But、um, but everyone at school must have hated you. <laughs> <laughs>、uh, 
and then I got to sort of 16 and then sort of had to make a decision which one I'd rather go with and, and football was one that was always just about edge yeah something I always wonder about professional footballers did you have posters on your wall of any heroes I did but I did grow up an Arsenal fan okay so I had a few models of different Arsenal and so you probably can't mention their names no, probably not, <laughs> but uh, I had many Arsenal kits so it's uh now um yeah that was yeah that must was, be so surreal and then now obviously I get to play against every team possible which is brilliant yeah so incredible okay let's talk about the first desert island dish and that's a dish that most reminds you of your childhood yes childhood I think sort of growing up I don't think my diet was maybe the most ideal diet I think I think we grew up on a lot of say different freezer foods and um no i think growing up i think the one that probably reminds me most is the chip shop okay going to the chippy (laughs) nothing wrong with that um i still occasionally go to the chippy now but um yeah that along with anything with custard i think i used to maybe on the chips are we keeping that no no that was for (laughs) afters for the dessert yeah anything that was sort of sponge and custard i think yeah i think i probably had a few too many of those when i was younger but um no the odd treat now but uh that's what probably most reminds me of and now we're up north are chips a different kind of thing up here is there curry sauce or are we not um my wife does yeah Yeah. but i've not changed my ways in terms of how i I was brought up having having chips yeah i think it's a childhood yeah it's now called balm cakes i think the rolls up here as well so um (laughs) that's what my wife says but uh so i have to say that when i want yeah (laughs) so tell us a little bit about your early career because you started at the millwall academy and then you played for maidstone united yeah and clearly your success in the world of football is a schoolboy's dream but it must have been really hard juggling at all because i read that you still had a job as a waiter in a hotel you still studied you got four as's three a levels how did you do all that yeah i think i was i was at millwall and then um i got released when i was about 15 so obviously finished my gcse's and then sort of decided to go into a levels and then um, i still wanted to play football so that's when i went to maidstone it was a non-league team so they often train on a tuesday thursday and play on a saturday so um, that was just in the evening so that was obviously quite handy to fit in around yeah. sort of school work yeah i had to have a part-time job as well so um i worked as a waiter in a hotel but because the shifts were sort of in the evenings so i could do my school work in the day and then in the evenings i could work and if i wasn't training so it was quite full-on for mm. for a couple of years but um no, I managed to be able to juggle it all about. That's really interesting. So at that age, you did have to sort of make an executive decision that you were going to take it really seriously and try to do it sort of ultimately. Yeah, 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 definitely. I think because when I was playing for Mason, it wasn't a, I'm going to be a professional footballer. It was more just a case of I'm doing my A-levels. Everything was really geared towards university, but I still loved football and, and still wanted to play. So that was really the, the next best opportunity if I wasn't going to be playing at, a, say, a professional club. And what do you think if that had never happened and you hadn't discovered, I guess, the world of sport, what do you think plan B would have been? Um, well, to be honest, I was probably two months away from going to university. What were you going to study? Uh, financial economics, Ooh, which is which is what my brother's... <laughs> not long finished actually but yeah I was literally 
coming up to the summer and then I was about to do my exams. I had sort of my lad's holiday as well with my school friends all planned. And then I had a couple of trials to, to go, which I was playing from the county. And so I got offered to go to Fulham and Middlesbrough. And so I thought I've got nothing to lose. I'm going to uni and after the summer anyway. So let's just go and give it a go. And then um, they both offered me a, a contract. So oh it was literally, gosh. I had to cancel my last friend's holiday because everyone was going off to uni I your friends understood though yeah no, i think they understood that <laughs> i literally um finished my a-levels and then a week after started at fulham it oh, was amazing. it was pretty crazy but um no, i'd already got my head around sort of going to uni to be honest and then i thought i think me going to the trials with not so much pressure because sometimes i think when you have go on these trials you overthink it and i already had uni sorted so it was just a case of quite easy going and going and let's see what happens yeah it's kind of the best way that could happen but also like a major sliding doors moment where life could have been so different yeah yeah it was i think literally i'd like you said i got my head around sort of going to uni and then when the opportunity came i just thought I don't want to live with no regrets and I'll just, I'll just give it a go. Yeah. My God, it's so exciting. And then you got signed by Manchester United by Alex Ferguson. And I mean, that must have really felt like all of your dreams came true. Like, can you remember that moment really clearly? I can remember us getting off the coach. We were playing Blackburn away and Roy Hodgson was the manager at the time. And I was getting off the coach and we stay in a hotel before a game. And then he, he pulled me to the side as we just get off the coach. He said, um, yeah, Man United have, of a bid for you we've accepted and sir alex is coming to the team hotel in 40 minutes so i was oh just gosh. like okay didn't know what to do didn't expect it at all because when you woke up that morning you had no idea no 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 idea like you obviously read all these stories about how it's all protracted and there's all rumors and literally it was just out of nowhere so yeah i got back to my room was totally just like didn't know what to do yeah. first person i rang was my mum just to let her know and then yeah soon after he came and then sort of thinking in my head what are we going to talk about like is it going to be awkward yeah. <laughs> where's he going to sit i'm sitting in my chair and then um literally we just sat for about an hour and a half and it was just swags were just so easy to talk to and um they really put me at ease and then to be honest the next morning he called my mum as well yeah well i found a really lovely quote from her where she was saying how proud she was and talking about the phone call that she got from alex ferguson and she said i couldn't believe it when chris said about man united although i do kind of wish it was arsenal because i'm an arsenal fan which (laughs) (laughs) so that's such a down-to-earth amazing thing to say isn't it (laughs) oh it was i thought it just summed up so alex by sort of ringing my mum and just saying oh I'll look after him and and whatnot. But yeah, yeah, it was sort of some really big moments that I'll never forget. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the second Desert Island dish. And that's the first dish that you learned to cook. I admit, growing up, I wasn't a huge cook. How I am sort of now, my wife is still the main cook, but um, I I join in from time to time. But um, sort of in terms of cooking, and I think it was more tuna and pasta to be honest okay, nothing I wrong think, with that. yeah nice and simple <laughs> yeah but um that was something that i think me and my brother had a lot when we was growing up and um it was probably one of the easiest dishes to be able to to make yeah but also sort of with your football career you did have to move away from home quite young didn't you yeah but you weren't cooking for yourself i moved away when i was sort of 18 okay so um by then i was able to cook a lot more but um sort of when i was in my teenagers it was or well, early teenagers it was was more while well, my mum cooking or if not 
doing the hot tuna pasta dish yeah. or something like that. <laughs> I mean, I still like tuna, <laughs> yeah. so I think it's good. So that brings us on nicely to your approach to food. Obviously, being a footballer, you're a professional sportsman and an athlete. So you must have learned so much over the years and really early on about food as fuel. We're going to come on to talk about this radical change in your diet in recent years, but I'm really interested as a teenager and a young player, obviously at the level you're at now, you're able to work with nutritionists and chefs, but from a young age, were you sort of educating yourself about that side of things or how did that all work? Yeah, I think when I was first coming into football, I'll be honest, I didn't have too much of an idea. I think it was just a case of, I've not really been brought up knowing too much of that. I think you read, you read quite a lot. And I think if I'd gone back 10 years, I'd like to have known what I know now. But yeah, yeah, I think now I'm, I'm very clued up and we're lucky to have sort of nutritionists and so much information out there. Did it used to just be, I mean, like you'd have loads of pasta before a big game? Like, was it sort of, that was the extent? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Even when I sort of first went professionally with Fulham, it was a case of, I didn't know too much in terms of nutritionally, but I was more following the guidelines that the club set. And luckily each club has sort of good guidelines. But um, soon after that, I started to take on sort of more myself in terms of educating myself and not having to always ask the questions and sort of be a bit more in the know. Yeah, so interesting. And there's so much running and cardio involved in a 90 minute game. I think it's not uncommon for footballers to run 10k. Have you tracked how far you run? Like, is that something that you do? Yeah, I think, yeah, we see, we see different distances. Me being a defender, I tend to do a bit less than some of the midfielders who are sort of ratting about. I mean, um, I've seen you do a fair amount of running. Yeah, yeah. Quite (laughs) often, I think we can get up to I don't know, maybe 11 or, or 12K, but then some of the midfielders can hit 13, 14, even plus K. So, uh, and 90 minutes, I mean, that is, it's a long time, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Obviously, it's, it is it's spaced out with different breaks, but overall it is, is quite an accumulation, which to be read, especially when we play every two or three days, it is, yeah. it's pretty nonstop. I mean, yeah, none of you ever look that tired at the end. <laughs> it's so impressive. And tell us a little bit about what it's actually like when you're on the pitch, because I mean... As a fan, it's, you know, an amazing atmosphere being in the stands. Is that what it feels like on the pitch? Are you sort of really aware of all the people watching or are you able to just completely zone all of that out? Um, I think going into the game in the warm up, I think we are, we're trying to get focused in terms of what's the game's about to come, but we've got the crowd cheering and I think that's, that's getting us all ready. But then I think as soon as that kickoff goes, we're, we're almost zoned in and then, hopefully if we get to score a goal then it's a case of switching off and just enjoying the cheers and you yeah. can see that's where all the players run to the crowd because I think we just love that moment and mm. even if I've not scored I'm chasing to try and get in yeah. the corner and enjoy <laughs> the celebrations and then then it is a case of sort of zoning back in again but um now you can hear all the chants and everything a lot of the time and uh I think that's what that's what that's what we love yeah and when this is a random question but when you're playing away are you always like making sure you know where your fans are because sometimes like a really small section that they give the yeah away. yeah and I think to be honest uh, especially when we travel away I think we're, we're so well supported that mm. even when we come out for a warm-up they might just give us a small section. They might stick us right up in the gods. But yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, United fans, they will sing nonstop and quite often out singing the home crowd. So yeah. it's never a problem to try and find them, to yeah. be honest. Sometimes don't they travel with their own like band or is that? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, I think they do. <laughs> I think quite often you see and you can hear the drums even yeah. when we're warming up and that's starting off the songs. And um, 
now I think I think away days with fans is is incredible. Yeah. And do you get nervous? Like I always imagine that moment when you're walking through the tunnel. What's going through your head? Um, I think I remember my first game at Old Trafford. I mean, I was quite nervous, but you have those butterflies. And even now, I maybe don't get as nervous, but I still have those butterflies that I think I think you need to be able to spur you on to to keep going. So even even though I've played at Old Trafford quite a few times, I still get those those nerves that I think kick in to, yeah. to hopefully produce a, a good game. And you play for England. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it's, I think, sort of growing up to be able to, I mean, I watch Man United and all the top games and all the Champions League games and, and obviously internationally, it's... I think it's, it's something that I just dream of and, and more when I was younger. Yes, incredible. Okay, let's talk about the third desert island dish. And that's the best dish you've ever eaten. The best dish I've ever eaten. I was discussing this with, with my wife not, not, not long ago, actually. And we were just talking about um, some of our best dishes. But I mean, even even she couldn't come up with one, ultimate really one. And, and even I was was totally thinking. And oh, actually, last time we went to Vietnam... Ooh. and um obviously this time we were both vegan and we was half cautious as to what the food would be like but literally i think it was probably the best food that we've ever had really and the different types of mushrooms that you can have i mean even a couple of years ago i mean you got these standard mushrooms that you think and, and the odd variation but literally we probably had about seven or eight different types of mushrooms that were incredible <gasps> so great. i think um yeah we'd both put that at the top of our list well, that's a it very was, good uh, the food was was incredible and we managed to stay there for for quite a few weeks so um no, were you we were moving lucky. around or were you like in one place no no we was moving around we were there we did thailand for a couple of weeks before and then we did vietnam for five weeks from traveling north to south so um no it was very very lucky to be able to do that but it was an incredible incredible place yeah okay well that brings us on nicely to the fact that you have been vegan for the last 18 months or so so tell us how that came about because there were several influencing factors weren't there yeah yeah there was i think one of the the first ones was my wife already being vegan and her being the the main cook of the house (laughs) uh, i'd often tried a lot of her dishes and and i could when i wasn't vegan i could add chicken or fish and and do whatever i wanted to but um normally because she was a very good cook i i enjoyed a lot of that food so and then we'd often watch different documentaries and, and whatnot but then i started to started to feel a lot of improvement especially when i was cutting down on red meat especially with my sort of tendonitis and um and just general general feeling as well that I thought, well, I'll start looking into this a little bit more. And then I started to read a couple of books, a few more documentaries, and um, it really just spiraled from there into a to a decision that yeah, I went fully vegan. That's amazing. And so, t- did you go vegan sort of overnight, or was there like a gradual? No, no, it was very much a gradual a gradual. It took me. I probably over the course of a year, to be honest, it wasn't something that um, I jumped into, I think, because I was constantly reading the odd book, reading a documentary. I wasn't glued to the TV or books for a month and then just went, that was like that. I yeah. thought personally, I think some people could maybe jump straight into it. But personally, I just thought it was easier to gradually do it. And <laughs> first it was red meat and then it was down to fish. And the last bit was eggs because I'd been so used to having those every day. Yeah, they're, so, they're, um, they're the one thing that people say going yeah, sort of the hard. Yeah, thing yeah, about. yeah. That was that was pretty much my last thing. So, um, but yeah, because I sort of gradually did it over time, I'd found different things that was going to have always alternatives. And then by the day that I, I never, it wasn't really a cutoff point that I said, oh, December, I'm going to do it. It was more just a case of it will happen gradually. And then when it happens, I knew that it would it would stick. Yeah. Now, how long has your wife been a vegan? She's been vegan, I think, about four years. Okay. 
I think um, she was vegetarian for a bit before that as well. But um, no, I think she's she's been fully vegan for about that. And I wondered, was part of not considering doing it earlier, even though that's how she was eating, was it partly the thought that you are a professional sportsman and nutrition is obviously hugely important and perhaps not knowing enough about it, you thought maybe it wasn't an option? I don't know. Is that? I think having it at home was the first was the first easy step. And then I think even before I went vegan... One of the big factors was going to be, I mean, I travel with the team. We have all our buffet food out and and then I'm going to be asking for something different. So I guess that was not daunting, but it was something that I knew that I'd have to have a, a big discussion with with Mark and, and the chef as well. And yeah. um, now once once I'd sort of approached that subject and then we started talking about different sort of meal plans and different options, that was that almost put me at ease because it was obviously a big change for me in, in terms of traveling. But um, no, there was more than accommodating, which made that last step sort of nice and easy. Yeah, yeah, I guess I hadn't thought about that, but it's always scary to be the first person. So if you're like the first person on a team doing yeah. something different, it's yeah, yeah. daunting. Yeah, because I think as, as players, I think never really wanted to just stand out and just do something different for the hell of it really yeah. it was just more a case of i thought this was something i wanted to do and then and taking my time and speaking to mark speaking to the chef and making sure that all of that was in place that that transition would be as easy as possible yeah and do you have a favorite pre-match meal because i heard a rumor that it was vegan spaghetti bolognese yeah yeah even before i had um i had spaghetti bolognese and now yeah i just have a vegan version so um that transition element was 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 one of the easiest. And do you have like a time that you have to be eating before you play? Yeah, generally it's it's three hours before a game. So if if you do the standard three three o'clock kickoff, we'll we'll have breakfast in the morning, maybe the odd meeting, and then come twelve, we'll have pre match, and then um, yeah, Mark can say that's the optimum optimum time, and then um, yeah, we tend to get ready for the game and then come the game it's it's, it's all ready to burn off yeah, sorry that's such a geeky question <laughs> but no it's true no, 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 it's very true <laughs> and so obviously you have a chef at manu but how many of your meals do you eat here well pretty much uh, most lunches yeah like we have we have training and then i eat after lunch so most of my lunches are here i'd often have breakfast at home or here depending what I'm doing in the morning and then in the evening I'd obviously have it at home so but could you have it here if you wanted to at the evening <laughs> like if you didn't have you know if you didn't like cooking and you, your wife wasn't an amazing cook yeah could you just camp out here and <laughs> yeah to be fair I think the chef often does some makes up some food for players to take home so um no it's all it's all catered if if you fancy a, a lazy night of not cooking or something and you say that uh, obviously the chef prepares, prepares you special vegan meals, but actually there's always a bit left over and it all gets eaten. So yeah. have you found that the team are sort of a bit more interested in that? Yeah, idea? yeah, it has surprised me because to be honest, I just thought oh, there'd just be a little pot for me and that's that, that's fair enough. But yeah. to be honest, it's it's been quite refreshing just to hear some of the questions that, that the players had because I had the same questions when my wife went vegan. So um, it's nice just to have discussions and I think they just try. I mean, I'm not pushing anyone to go. Yeah to cut down or anything it's just a case of that's just my opinion and um no and quite a few have been surprised by what the different options that you can really have yeah and i guess you only know what you know and so to see someone else eating something different it is interesting and like yeah people are open to different things yeah they? yeah definitely it's quite cool that you've been called a pioneer for plant-based diets i think it's quite cool to be a pioneer in anything <laughs> Yeah, I've not heard that actually. I mean, the word is is obviously very powerful, but yeah. um, 
And you're in such good company with those other amazing yeah. sportsmen. Yeah, and I think um, I think once you start looking into it, I think, and like you say, there are so many different examples of not other people just say surviving, not even like like thriving and really being successful. I think um, it's hard not to at least take an interest and just see see why maybe they took those choices and how they are sort of really progressing. Yeah, definitely. Okay, we're on to the fourth desert island dish, possibly the most important question of the day. Yes. Chris Smalling, what is your favourite sandwich? My favourite sandwich? I might cheat and say I have two. Okay, that's fine. One maybe hot and cold. Okay, yes, I like this. One of my favourite hot dishes is um, is one of the, the vegan meats, like vegan kebab meats. Okay. And um, like Sam does it, and we've had it quite a few times with like Cajun spice that's 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 uh top i mean high in protein but also delicious yeah. what's it what's it made out of soya um yes yeah that one's a soy but there's so many different ones i think um, what's the best one chris i think it's riviera that have that have like three different types of ones they're all they're all terrific and as a as a more of a cold one yeah <laughs> um, so you having that in like a panini style thing yeah panini style or any even sandwich or any bread it's that's delicious i get very specific about sandwiches. yeah yeah no, that's, <laughs> that's delicious and um yeah we have like a also a vegan like tuna mayo style sandwich but we've made from chickpeas oh right with um like crushed chickpeas with capers and um sam also puts you know like the nori seaweed oh yeah to give it like that fishy flavor that's like, a good idea. Oh, that's a really good yeah, idea. So, so the chickpeas obviously don't taste anything like tuna, but it's the same texture. Yeah, yeah, it's the same type of texture. It's that, yeah, it's, it is delicious. I'd yeah. definitely recommend and so easy to make as well. Yeah, that sounds really good. Okay, so in a first for Desert Island Dishes, we have a special guest joining us halfway through. We've got Mark, the nutritionist for Manchester United. What a cool job. Brilliant job. Yeah, absolutely love my job. And uh, yeah, so many interesting players, coaches, athletes to work with and different challenges every day. It's yeah, best job in the world. So did you start off as a nutritionist and then you sort of worked your way into like specialising in sports nutrition? or? Yeah, I think... Um, Education wise, I'd sort of always wanted to work in sport and um, trained that way. However, um, first job was in a hospital okay. um, for eating disorders patients. Wow. A psyche hospital. And I think, um, yeah, sort of behavior change, counseling skills, coaching skills, menu planning. I think that was probably the best introduction or start in life for me as a practitioner. Yeah. And then, yeah, I think I spent six or seven years at the hospital and then joined the Institute of Sport, working with the combat sports. And then a few years later, um, joined the team here. That's so cool. What, so how, how did you get the job here at Man U? Do you have to be a Man U fan? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It's, <laughs> it's in the contract. Yeah. <laughs> you, you've got they to vet be. you beforehand and make sure. Yeah. You know what? I think it, it was um, it was advertised nationally, the, the post. Like People often think that these jobs are sort of handed out to, to friends and uh, networks, but no, advertised, applied, got it, yeah. That's awesome. And it must be so interesting because you're presumably working on an overall strategy for the team, but then you're also breaking it down by the individual and figuring out how to get the best out of that particular player. It must be so interesting. Yep, absolutely. Um, you've got a whole range of like different players, like as Chris alluded to before, like your defenders are going to be different to the midfielders that are going to be covering more distance. Likewise, the goalkeepers quite unique. And then yeah. within that, you've got the sort of further subdivisions of lots of different cultures here, lots of different individuals, individual preferences that we've got to accommodate. And then um, often, like, unfortunately, every now and then you get players that are injured and we need to put uh, special strategies in place for those or 
whether it's pre-season and we've got to put some weight on players or for those that have overindulged in the summertime, take a little bit off. (laughs) Um, But yeah, there's always different challenges. Like often travel being one of the biggest ones when you've got busy weeks like this with Champions League and players traveling and got to to recover quick. I think that's probably one of our biggest focuses at times. Yeah, that's so interesting because we do, we hear all the time that you can't have a one size fits all approach to nutrition. And I guess you're saying that day to day and what you just said about the different positions, like the goalkeeper needing. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, so goalkeepers in particular, yeah, they're obviously less active. They're not going to be covering the mileage on the pitch that the players do. Yeah. Them having unique needs to keep weight down and be sat at those pre-match meals where everyone's having loads yeah. and loads of carbs. Oh no, and but they're just like, yeah, they've got to be a little bit more careful. <laughs> and as well, you've got all the reserve players as well who might not necessarily get on the pitch, but, oh, yeah, but they've they got might. to prepare like they are. So yeah. making sure, yeah, there's, there's very individual strategies to every approach of it. Really. And not naming any, any names, although I would love it if you did. Have you got some footballers who are just like really bad at sticking to diets and they're sort of always eating things they shouldn't be? I've definitely got some athletes that are really bad. I think at Man United, like, cause obviously we work elsewhere as well. Yeah. But here, I mean, we're just really fortunate. You've, you've got such a great culture here and such great players, like the strength and depth in every position, really. Like everyone's being pushed by someone behind them. So yeah. you can't really afford to be slack. Yeah. Like, I guess if, people are taking it. Yeah. If, if you are, there's another player waiting to take your spot. Yeah. So here, like, you know, commitment's pretty good. Like the boys are really on it. Yeah. So rumor has it that Usain Bolt consumed a thousand chicken nuggets whilst in Beijing for the Olympics, eating five twenty strong boxes of nuggets a day. Whether that's true or not, we don't know. But clearly chicken is a good source of protein, but being deep fried probably isn't that good. Is the goal with your athletes to get them eating the perfect amount of fuel that their body needs, but no more than that? Yeah, absolutely. So, well, I, I was in London for the Olympics in Rio yeah. where he was and I, I didn't see that. Oh, you did. I think these things are a myth. Don't ruin this amazing I think they rumor. Get hyped up. Yeah, I, I don't know where these things come from. Um, it had taken him forever. I think they well, come from him. But the, the queue, to, well, the queue for the McDonald's in the village was so big for those athletes that finished their races. Like it had taken him all day. But he'd be first in line. <laughs> yeah, he'd be, he'd be quick. Um, so we, we sort of preach a sort of approach of moderation. Like we, we see the athletes as that pure physiology, lungs and legs and making sure that that's fueled and we get everything in, but at the same time as human beings and yeah. fully appreciate like, you know, we, we've got to take time out. We say, get it right 90% of the time. Okay. So it's 90, 10. Yeah, that's it. And all, always take one meal out each week where you can go out with your wives, girlfriends, you know, relax and otherwise, you know, it's, it's hard to be consistent otherwise. And I think that helps was maintain consistency. We, we always say make sure it's planned. Mm. So especially probably even more so with our weight managed athletes who are on a real tight calorie budget and <laughs> always craving treats and things. So with, with those guys, we always say plan your rewards, plan your treats, and then you don't feel guilty about it. And then you start again the next day. Yeah. So you sort of press that reset button and the following day you're back to it and back to your plan. That's really interesting because obviously you do have to look at the player's almost like they're sort of instruments and, and you're looking at food as fuel, but then obviously they are also people and they're only human. Yeah. But it's like a really interesting balancing act. Yeah. Okay, we're going to pause there and talk about the fifth desert island dish. And that's the dish you eat the most often. Um, again, another big question that's that's very hard to to pin down, but um, I'm someone who, who loves curries. Like we make different different variety of curries, but I like a lot of Jamaican style as well. So if it's with a lot of like pumpkin, yam, all sorts. So I like 
anything along those lines and the good thing is that you can make them and then you can have them the next day and it's they you just, just make better. a big portion yeah like yeah. you say the flavors just just get better so um, are you quite good at handling spice i've got better yeah. I think um, growing up, I wasn't, but I was also a very fussy eater then. Okay. So I branched out. But um, now my wife always moaned that I wasn't the big spice lover, but I have my tolerance has got a little bit better. You've got to work on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is improving on that Saturday night. You're going to be able to have whatever you want for a couple of hours. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I guess a common question must be about protein and what happens when you take away meat. So what are the best vegan sources of protein? Yeah, I mean, th there's lots of great sources nowadays. And as sort of Chris alluded to, like you can pretty much substitute the proteins from meat with lots of these sort of processes like corns and sations and a lot of these sort of meat replacements that you can mold into anything. And like, like Chris said, with these sort of tuna and burgers and sandwiches, you, you know, you, you feel like you're probably eating meat. Yeah. You can replicate those tastes and you can get close with, with the proteins. Um, the big concern, and, and obviously as part of this journey, you know, it's all been from Chris and it's been our job to sort of support that and, and check and challenge along the way. And the big sort of concern, I guess, from our side is, that yeah, protein being one of them, not only that the protein is the sort of building blocks for Chris to recover his muscles and to maintain strength and recover quickly between games, but also because we get a lot of energy from there. Yes. So making, so when you do remove those proteins, yeah, it's important that we, we keep them in um, and get sufficient from those uh, veggie sources. But yeah, you standard sort of tofus, meat replacements, beans, and I think people often forget, even what you see is like your carb foods, like oats and rices and grains, they've all got a reasonable protein hit in there. The second part, I guess, is the quality. Some people would suggest you perhaps have to have a little bit more okay. because the quality and the digestibility is not the same. And I think that probably gets more critical when we're training two times a day in preseason. But when you've got one training session a day, days off, one game, it's less critical. I think Chris easily can meet all of his needs from his vegan protein intake. Yes, it sounds it. And are you working, like, are you seeing that there's a rise in plant-based eating amongst athletes? Because obviously we've already talked about some of the big names and it's a pretty impressive list. Do you think it's going to be something that we see more and more of? Yeah, absolutely. I think in my work within the club and outside with the combat sports in particular, we, we see a lot. Um, I think, especially in the combat sports, I think people find it easy for weight management. Yeah. And um, because you are losing that amount of calories that you would get traditionally with your proteins and fats from the meat sources. So yeah, it's, it's definitely on the up. <laughs> We're onto the sixth desert island dish, and that's your go-to dinner party dish. Again, another very difficult question. Do you throw um, dinner parties? I like to imagine all the Man U players like coming around for supper. <laughs> Is that something that happens? Not too often. I think we, we tend to go out for food the odd times. And, and, and like you say, we do, we do have quite a few friends that come over and, and Sam does like to, to put on a spread when, when we sort of cater. But, um, it's often, it's often very different. I guess it's a chance to show people that the food you're eating is yeah. delicious. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I think it's, it reminds me of Christmas, actually, because this was the first year that we had a fully vegan Christmas. So what did you have as your like main event? So we made like a, a chicken and mushroom type pie. Obviously, yeah. it wasn't chicken. Yeah. We had like a nut roast. Um, we had, what else did we have? We had another like a jackfruity type pie as well. And then all the trimmings 
or vegan anyway because you can make those nice yeah. and easy but um you didn't like pull out sort of a whole roasted cauliflower and then carve <laughs> it <laughs> <laughs> next year chris yeah yeah you never know but um yeah sam we like to if we if we're gonna do have some friends over yeah i like to go all out yeah and nice to have like a few sharing things yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah that's that's one of the things that i think we like especially if you do like a starter it's nice to have like three different little things and we like to we like to pick up a lot of things banana bread yeah. is an excellent option <laughs> um so on desert island dishes we have a cookbook corner do you have a cookbook collection and do you have a most treasured cookbook that you sort of turn to um we have we have a lot of cookbooks in the house yeah. i'm gonna say that we've got shelves of cookbooks but i think we've used them more as flicking through and like the odd inspiration i think sort of very rarely i mean i'm more inside to go down and do a recipe down to a tea whereas sam's a bit more freestyle because she's obviously very confident with cooking but um yeah quite often i very rarely see her go through a whole thing it's more flicking through if that looks nice and then she'll sort of just do it to our own ways so um is there one that gets used or looked at more than others i'm not sure if there is i mean quite often there is a a new amazon order that i see coming through the door so those um, brown paper packets. yeah so we have so we have many many different cookbooks but i think it's nice to get a good inspiration because it just gives you lots of ideas yeah definitely we're on to the final seventh desert island dish and that's the last dish you would choose to eat before being cast off to the desert island yes so i think this i think you've got to go all out here because 100 percent you don't have to worry about waste or anything. It's just a case of getting as much as you can. So I think I, I, I would do an Asian banquet because I like anything Japanese, Vietnamese, anything along those lines. So, and the good thing is you can always pick and choose. If you go to a Chinese or something, it's just, just picking and choosing. So for starter wise, I'd have sort of your gyozas, your steam buns, Vietnamese pancakes that we had in Vietnam, which was amazing. Spring rolls. Yeah. A that'd feast. be a nice selection to start with. Yeah. I like that this is a start. Yeah. This is just board. a starter. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so it's more to share if, if there's other people there. But, um, yeah, for a main, I'd go for a, like a Thai red curry with tofu. And then I think I'd have a little side of fried rice. Yeah. I know sometimes that can be a main course, but yeah. I mean, I'm going all out. Yeah. So this is, that's that. And then for dessert, mango sticky rice, Ooh, which, that's a good one. which we had a lot in Thailand. I think we didn't, we didn't get sick of it because we nearly had it a lot of the days over there. But, um, yeah, that would be, I could, I could cast off a happy man if I had all that. I think I will be <laughs> joining you for that, please, Chris. Chris Morning, those were your desert island dishes. Thank you so much. No, thank you. So there we have it, another delicious day of Desert Island Dishes. I learned so much in that one. Don't forget you can find me on Instagram at Margie Nomura. You can sign up for the newsletter at desertislanddishes.co and I will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.